Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Let's get together and fight a fish for medical research in Australia's biggest fishing competition, the Pertec Fishing Challenge. Fish your favourite spots right across Australia. There's over $280,000 in cash and prizes to be won. It's only $30 plus postage to enter and we'll send you this cool cap, brag mat and sticker. Proudly supporting Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia and the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit. Enter now at pertechfishingchallenge.com.au. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Play what's in front, don't think too much. How the times have changed for this legend. Today is very, very different to yesterday. But who is Scott Hill? (sighs) Um, I guess a bloke that grew up with a good family, good Mm. good upbringing. Country, very um, country-made sort of morals. Yeah. Yeah. was yeah taught good manners, worked hard. Um, come from a hardworking family. Very grateful of my parents of what sort of upbringing they gave me and my two older brothers. Um, yeah, grew up usual, you know, fishing and camping as a kid, trapping rabbits. I was actually I could set my own rabbit trap when I was six. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So just yeah, just a country kid. Mm. Um, obviously, I had two older brothers that were six and four years older than me. Um, my dad, you know, coached them through junior league and I was always bloody at their training until I until I started playing footy. Um, but, look, I, in general, I, I just loved being the outdoors, loved sport. I surfed, I any sort of sport I, I had a go at. Um, you know, and having two older brothers, it was sort of you either learn fast or you stay at home. So... It becomes a big advantage. It may not feel like it at the time, but it toughens you up in a hurry. Oh, real quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, I guess, everything. I was pretty much for my age, I was exceptional at most things mm. because I it was just I learnt very quickly and probably a lot younger and mm. a lot earlier than most other people did. Um, so, yeah, so, I, you know, they were really hidden sort of, um, uh, I guess, what would you say, um, talents that or people around me that, that helped me get to me where I was. Um, enjoyed school, um, uh, loved me woodwork and, you know, and, and that's what I was. I left school when I was in year, at the end of year 10. 10, yeah. Um, I was, was a chippy, uh, apprentice carpenter. Um, loved that. Um, Did you finish the apprenticeship? Yep. Yeah. I finished it with um, Robbie McCormack, actually. Really? The great Newcastle hooker. In 1997, after sort of I made me debut in 96 at the Dogs, wow. I was working all that year as a chippy um, and then had three months left in, to finish on my trade 
and the moth, um, I, I, got, I transferred to him and and did that sort of three months with him, part of pre-season of the Hunter Mariners when, when footy virtually went to a professional sport. Yeah. As a full-time um, employment. So right at that end of, you know, I was right at that end of that, was, I was at the start of the stage of when rugby league became professional. You wouldn't have been able to finish sport. your trade 12 months later. No. Because the game had changed dramatically. Correct. Yeah. So. So yeah, so that was that was a privilege in that. Um, yeah, look, I uh, grew up did a lot of water skiing, enjoyed barefooting with kids and water skiing mm. and tournament skiing and all that sort of stuff through school and just great. You know, growing up in Foster, um, we had all those things. Yeah, you had the river, we had the we had the beach. We, um, you know, and then you know whenever we went wanted to go camping, we'd go at West Camping and so mm. forth like that. So a pretty good upbringing. Um, How does a bush boy end up at Canterbury? Who scouted? Who signed you? Um, I don't know. I, th- I, I guess all the way through my junior league, I always played in the rep side, yep. like the group three side, and um, and actually through school played sort of went to state championships playing for the Hunter uh, the Hunter Region team. Played yep. with um, Jimmy Feeney. Um, played with Noddy. I played up a year the first year with. Noddy and Darren Albert were in our Hunter Region team. Very cool. Um, second year, Jimmy Feeney in um, my own age group, so just through through primary school. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, just played for Group 3 through my junior league. And um, and I, I, I guess, you know, at different times they have scouts about. Yeah. Um, they – actually, the dogs approached us when I was 15. Wow. Um, and I went down and played in a trial. It was the it was the day before the morning of, or the day before um, Big Mel Meninga scored that trial when they beat the Dogs in the grand final. Really? That, that would have been 94. Yeah, 94. Yeah, 1994. Yeah. And I must have been 15 going on 16. Um, and what, what, the Dogs just wanted to take a look they, at Well, you. there was a trial. There was no, oh, they invited me down to a trial. Yeah. And um, – I went okay in that and they wanted me to come down and sign and my dad and I sat down and we just decided that, you know, my trade was a more important thing. Um, I was 15. Very I didn't, cool. I didn't need to be away from home. Yep. Um, if I was ever going to play footy, there's plenty of time left. So we decided to stay home and, you know, lucky enough to my, um, you know, the best thing that – it was the best thing I ever did. I went Just from playing, putting it off? Yeah, well, I, I finished under-16s the next year and, mm. and then went from under-16s and this this bloke from Balmain, Dennis Tuddy, came to Foster and wow to coach the first-grade side where my, really two, cool. my two older brothers were playing. How'd the uh, brothers go? Were they all right? They were good. Yeah. They were both very good. Um, my oldest brother, he, ca- he ca- captained Group 3 and played North Coast. There you go. Um so and Dennis Tuddy arrives, yeah. Dennis Tuddy arrives and to coach the first grade side and he saw me play in the 16s and and then he he said, come and do the pre-season with us. So I come and went and did the pre-season with him and and uh, and that's where, I, that's where I stayed. I stayed, I played. And I guess it's it's a privilege and it's something that I, I hold pretty dearly to myself. I never lost a game for my own first grade side in two years. We won. Wow. We won the Clayton's Cup two years in a row. Um, That's cool. So you know, and and to my credit, uh, to to Tuddy's credit, he was a great 
um, mentor for me. Yeah. You know, he had a lot of years with Wok. Yeah. Ryan Ryan at Balmain um, and played for Balmain. He rode for Australia Tut. Yeah. Took the game on. Mm. You know, a lot of people don't really know exactly yeah. a lot about Dennis Tutty. But yeah, he's a guy he, to certainly Google. He, he changed the game. He yeah. did. And hence why they, they named the um, – the Players Association Player of the Year yep. after the Dennis Tutty. Um, so Tut was a big influence on me. Um, playing as a 16, 17-year-old against men in the bush and the and the country rugby league competition back then was oh. was strong. Yeah. There was a lot of ex-NRL players mm. playing around that time and, um, you know, for us as a team to be able to go through undefeated for two years and to, me, to be a part of that Huge. team as a 16, 17-year-old, mm. it was uh, – yeah, that was something I was that I put down as a as probably the best pillars for my success at sort of transitioning into um, the NRL into into professional mode, which we hit on now with August 4, 1996, Bulldogs versus Rabbitohs. I think it was the old Footy Stadium yes. debut day. What stands out? Getting a double, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's amazing how many of you blokes don't bring that up if you if you scored a try or a couple of tries and I've got to push it out of you. But two tries on debut, another one a week later. It's not this is easy, but what a positive start. Yeah, it was. Um, and to have those people like Terry Lamb around you, yeah. um, you know, and just – the gratitude I have for Chris Anderson for giving me that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, as a <laughs> – he tells a story. He reckons he went to the – he goes to the board because, you know, t- lucky enough, dogs knew they weren't going to make the semis with about eight – Yep. Eight to seven rounds left. Okay. And it was right when Super League was there and Terry mm-hmm. and Bard had come back to play because they won the comp in 95 was, and he was going to retire and then yeah. he ended coming back. And – um they didn't really have any. They didn't really have a six. They had a South African bloke, rugby union bloke, playing six in reserve grade. Um, that wasn't going to. Vaguely remember that, yeah. And um, Chris Anderson saw me playing in the nineteens. Well, as it was at the start of that year, I was at the. I was signed to the Hunter Mariners, so yeah. I was sort of captain of or part of the leaders in that under nineteens Hunter Mariners team. Yeah. Because Super League didn't go ahead the first year, we were signed with Super League, so they sort of dispersed us Hunter Mariners mm. 19s guys to different Super League teams. Yeah. So they sent us down to Canterbury. Um, Canterbury already had their top 19 squad. So for six weeks I played in for St Christopher's out in the under-18s competition in Bankstown. Wow. So I went from playing country first grade to playing under-18s against um, in that competition. Jeez. And after a while, it was it was really frustrating for me. It was like going, it was. Get, going back against playing against kids. Mm. And I actually went to Mark Hughes and I said, Mark, you know, this is not really doing me good any good here. Mm. You know, I, I, I prefer to go home and play first grade in the bush. And the next week they, they pushed me up into the 19 squad. Um, and luckily enough, you know, and that squad even itself, it's Corey Hughes, Brent Sherwin. Yeah. Yeah, there were some good footballers in that yeah. side as well. Um, and, you know, with about eight weeks out, to, uh, Chris Annis was looking for someone to sort of try and find who was going to replace Terry Lamb. And he went to the board and he said, I want to play this young bloke that's playing lock in the, the under-19 side. 
And they said he's a two iron with ears. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was, you know, I was, I reckon, about 80 kilos. Were you really? Yeah, I would have mean my because I was just, I was really lean and just, yeah. it's just one of those, you know, I, I put weight on as I got older, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he said, that's what they said. He's a two iron with ears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he said, look, I want you to go and play one game in reserve grade. Um, and I did and did really well. Did it with, well, I felt it was easy. Mm. Um, so he just then said, all right, you're going to come up and play first grade. So I guess another one of my things that people don't know is I never lost a game for the dogs in first grade. Five from five. Five from five, mate. So um, that was, you know, I was quite, and I, I feel really privileged to be part of that club as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that gave me a really good grounding for, you know, the dogs wanted me to stay there. Mm. <laughs> They did everything they could for me to stay there. Yeah. But, you know, I'm someone that I, you know, you, you sign a contract, you stick to it. Yep. So I went back to the Hunter Mariners and I, I and that was going back and meeting all, all blokes that I didn't know either. You wow. know, they had their full squad and I was, an, I was a young bloke that was in the 90s coming up into this first grade squad. And, um, you know, and, and that year in itself I – Super League is mm. I still put it down as one of the one of the most enjoyable learning um just everything year. Yeah. Um well, well it was just bizarre. Well it was funny, it wasn't until last week when we saw that is it um is it Katoa that or who was the who's the young bloke that played for the, the Dolphins, the half? And they Isaiah Katoa. Yeah. yeah. They they wrote as he's now the youngest half. I was the youngest half ever. Of a inaugural club, club, wow! At the Mariners, I was nineteen and two hundred and so many. So many Isaiah, days. if you're listening, mate, you've <laughs> you've, you've ruined Bill Hill's record, <laughs> which I didn't even know. Yeah, so. mate. Um, in the Hunter, I don't think it's a secret. The Knights were the town favourites in a blue collar town. Did it feel like, in a way, you were the bad guys? Oh, to a certain degree. You know, and it was we sort of we we distance ourselves from the knights at different times, yeah. and you know, and and I get it, I totally get it, yeah. you know. But you know, for me, <laughs> I couldn't give a rat's ass. I was yeah. a young bloke playing first grade, and then exactly you right. know, with with good guys, and you know, I had my twentieth birthday. It was a Friday night. It was my twentieth birthday. We played the Broncos. We beat them at Topper Stadium in Newcastle. Wow. And on Sunday, we flew out for Paris for the World Club Challenge. Let's get together and fight a fish for medical research in Australia's biggest fishing competition, the Pertec Fishing Challenge. Fish your favourite spots right across Australia. There's over $280,000 in cash and prizes to be won. It's only $30 plus postage to enter, and we'll send you this cool cap, brag mat, and sticker. Proudly supporting Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia and the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit. Enter now at pertechfishingchallenge.com.au. Life know, doesn't get much better. Not bad for a 20-year-old. Yeah. And then on the Wednesday night, we're at a band, at, a, at a bar at the Champs-Élysées in Paris. John McEnroe's band was playing because the French Open was on Stop at the same it. time. Really? Yeah. So, you know, I'm yeah. a 20-year-old and, yep. and I'm in Paris. Um, I can't complain too much, mate. So, you know, I really cherish those Times and experiences, mm. you know. Um, that year was just 
And then, yeah, as the year went on, we didn't make the semis, mm. but we made the World Club Challenge semis. Yeah. We went over and we beat Wigan at Central Park, which was what an experience. Um, come back and beat the Sharks. Yeah. And then, you know, went over and really give the Bronx a good run in the World Club Challenge mm. final. Um, it was yeah. a big year. Massive year. Yeah. Um, still put it down as one of my most favourite years, you know. The late Graham Murray was coach. What a wonderful human, dearly missed still by many of us. Um, what's your Graham Murray story? Because everyone has got one with a bit of a giggle. Oh, it's just a character, Muzzer. Yeah. Always. He had, he had plenty of stories, that's for sure. Didn't he? Yeah. He had, he had one, um, yeah, so... Oh, he was just a good good at bringing blokes together, and you know, and that's what he did. You know, that team was a, a mixture of a lot of different people, but yep. the greatest coaches are have the ability to sort of break egos and pull people together. And Muzz Muzz did that. But what one thing that Muzz did do is he he gave people an an, an opportunity. You know, and I guess yeah, if it hadn't been for probably you know, even though Goldie's one of my best mates, mm. you know, a lot of people don't remember that. Goldthorpe, goal, Noel Goldthorpe went and kicked a field goal to win the Tri-Nation Series for New South Wales in Super League. Longest game ever. And come back and played reserve grade because Brett Camordi played. That's right. First grade while he was away. Yeah. Muzzer wouldn't drop him. That's and, right, yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Have you ever seen a Blake go away for play origin and then come back and get put in reserve grade? The, the last time I can think of representative players, probably going back to the 80s with Olsen Filipina, who would represent New Zealand and go back and play reserve grade for North yeah. Sydney. Amazing. But even, you know, you look at that, but, you know, and yeah. then, but Muzz gave Brett Kamali his, his opportunity shot. and, you know, look at his career that he's had after that. Melbourne in 98, so three different jerseys, three different cities in the space of 24 games. Are you an adaptable type of fella? And I ask because I wouldn't cope with that. No way in the world as a young bloke that much change, it wouldn't work for me. You're a bush boy that's changed three cities, three clubs in three years. You're yeah. adaptable? Uh, you must be. Yeah, I think I am. Um, if people knew me right now and see what I've been through probably the last three years, I'm pretty adaptable at different yeah. things. Um, and yeah. I have the ability. I, I guess I don't know if it's because I'm a Gemini. That's my uh, my star sign. Me too. So I somehow have the ability to adapt to what's what's in front of me. Um, I try not to allow it to, you know, if things change, well, things change for a reason. So there's no use sort of, you know, having it beat you up too much. You've just got to. A pick a way or pick a, mm. a direction to go with it, and and you you sort of stick to the same principles. You either you dig in and work hard, mm. and you'll always you'll find your feet sooner or later. And you'll always, you know, you if you my biggest thing is you always be good to people. Yep. My dad taught me the best lesson in life. You know, mm. and he said, whatever you do in in life, son, is don't tell lies. Do the right thing by people, but don't tell lies. If you don't tell lies, you don't have anything to worry about. Mm. <laughs> Nothing. And I love that from it's Dad. The, it's the best, and I live by it. And you know, I, I'll be honest too. At times, at different times in my life, where I have told probably the wrong thing at certain mm. times to try and either protect others or protect myself and yep. so forth. But it's something now I live by that I will not 
I will never, I just don't. Just tell it how it is. Tell it how it is. And wear it, whatever yeah, it may yeah, be. Yeah, and sometimes you, you make the wrong choices, but as long as you own mm. what, you know, we all make mistakes. We all do the wrong thing at certain times, mm. but if you tell the truth and you own it, you can sleep at night. You were saying and, before the interview you've done a lot of work over the last couple of years in terms of self-improvement, yes. uh, whether it's your breathing, whether it's your mindset, whether it's your emotional intelligence um, or all of the above, but you're, you're still working on being the best version of yourself. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been three years separated um, and I've got five children and, mm. um, yeah, there's certain times in your, in your life where you go through things where you wish you could have done things differently. Yeah, um, most certainly. And I think more of us, more than anything, we only know what we know. Mm. And, I, and I guess I probably know enough about myself at those times on how to handle things. And, you know, the last three years I've done a lot of uh, inward work on myself and to try and come up with answers or have a clearer understandings of why certain behaviours were the way they were and yep. the way things were. So um, I have a much clearer um, – that my lens is a lot different to what it used to be. Clearer, um, cleaner? Oh, a lot cleaner and I have a lot more empathy and um, compassion for others. Okay. I think people only react or behave or um, – yeah, probably those two things, react or behave yep. a certain way um, for a reason. There's something that's underlying that's having that person uh, behave that way. Mm. And sometimes, you know, that person behaves that way because it's the only way they know. Mm. They've never been taught how to deal with stress, how to deal yeah. with heartache, how to deal with mm. with um, pressure in anything in life and so I now know that <laughs> it's quite funny. I don't – I used to get frustrated and angry and different things and, and make reactions on certain circumstances yep. or certain situations and whereas now I don't in any way I sort of have a – I look at things through a very different lens and, you know, a lot of people make reactions and behave a certain way and I I pretty much look at people with a very empathetic approach now because I I understand that, that person's probably going through something that I have no understanding of. Yep. And I don't know their story. So mm. it's very wrong of me to judge or make a uh, a a comment on, on their behaviour mm. when I don't know their internal world. I've been told, and I'm still on the search for self-improvement at, at 51 years of age, and I struggle with routine and definitive change. Um, got all the ideas in the world, all the theories in the world. Struggle to make the lifestyle change to make that happen. Yep. Have you been able to make the lifestyle changes to facilitate your improvement? Oh yeah, dramatically. Um, awesome. I, I just I've found things that really help me um, get a clearer view on things. Okay. Look, I. We all stress. We all go through tough periods, yep. but I'm a very, I'm very aware of um, my own feelings and reactions and understanding of things. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of breath work. Um, I'm someone that never could never really meditate because my mind's pretty. Mm. It's always going. Um, until I sort of started doing a lot more breath work around Wim Hof and yeah, um, 
that's been just a saviour for me. Mm. Um, yeah, it's something that I I really struggle to do without go without at times, and I do a lot of uh, <laughs> I do a lot of ice baths. Um, so cold immersion, yeah. um, which sort of helps um, regulate your sympathetic nervous system, um, drops a lot of the stress and everything out of your system, and so. Um, they're all sort of rituals that I, I like to do quite regularly. Um, I train most mornings, um, jump in the ice bath most mornings and wow. and and try to do two or three breathwork sessions a week um, just to try and That's awesome. get me to where I am. Um, mm. And from that it's sort of it's given me a very much calmer um, look at life. Um, and for me, you know, being a father of five children, you know, and at times – you know, being present with my children because I had too many stresses in other ways and that's mm. no excuse but that's all I knew and now having a better, clearer understanding of uh, of that, um, you know, I, I continually practice now at, you know, um, being the very best version of, of a father that I can be for my children um, and that's that's something that I'll, I'll continue to do till probably the day I die. That's something they're going to be pretty proud of. Yeah, you know, it is. As, as they mature and work it all out, because our journeys are all different, and they're only starting their journey. Yeah, exactly. And and it's something that that'll take them time because they've only, you know, they have a mm. they have a certain version of of their dad as well at certain times, and um, it's up to them to to make their own judgment of that. And I'll look. One thing when you when you're looking at being at good at things, and you know, the best rugby league players, I think Cameron Smith's the best one. Is mm. it's not so much about being good every week it's just being consistent yeah um so for me it's about consistency in how i manage myself and how i present myself to to the people that are important to me um uh, we'll, we'll head back to footy for the moment but people important to you in 98 with the melbourne storm an inaugural player with the club what does that mean to you now uh probably didn't mean as much at the time but what does it mean now yeah it's um it's something that I hold pretty close to myself um, for a number of reasons. One that, you know, we had the opportunity to change the landscape of sport in yeah. Melbourne. Um, and when we first got there, it was it was like, who the hell are you guys, you know? Mm. Um, so we had – we – to be a part of that club and to be a part of a club that wins a premiership in their second year, although missing out on that premiership and mm. playing that day was probably one of the toughest, you know, that and losing 06 were the two of the toughest probably rugby league days of my life, okay. you know. But that's life and that's, you know, you, you can't get everything. Um, but to be part of a club that's, you know, been as dominant as they've been for 20 mm. years and to be – the pillars or the, the foundation of that club is, yeah, it's something I'm really proud of. Um, but it's also, it's those core principles that we, we I guess, inherited as being part of that club mm. that's helped me in probably some of my darkest periods of my life. You know, the last three years and mm. different periods of my life is those key principles that we learn about, you know, discipline, working hard and respect for yourself, um, mm. you know, and, and being mentally tough, you know, when you talk, uh, you ever talk to Craig Bellamy about what's yeah. he picking a rugby league player? He looks for someone that's mentally tough, you mm. know. And if you you've got the ability to just work through tough periods and and 
you know, sometimes you get success, sometimes you don't, but mm. it's about learning that or identifying that they're a lesson and, and growing mm. from it. Um, you know, that's something that, um, you know, and, and every year we go and have our old boys weekend in Melbourne. Yeah. We speak a language like no other. And okay. until you, and you'll say that to every, you'll, you'll probably, if you could say that to every rugby league player, well, every player that's played for Melbourne Storm, mm. they'll understand. You won't have to say much more. Wow. Um, that club and that, when you've played for Melbourne, you, you have an understanding of what that, what that club's done for you as a person. In 2023, this is what you can expect from Unfiltered. The Legend Series starts your working week, featuring interviews with some of the game's finest, in-depth and personal. We talk footy and life in a subtle mix you can't or won't hear anywhere else. On Thursday, the Rugby League Superpod returns 12 different player interviews every single episode. It's fast-paced, and if you like a laugh with your footy, this is for you. It's the weekly show you can't miss. Then on Saturday, it's Dream Team time. Who would you name in your best ever 13? We ask that question to players past and present. We don't always agree, but that's what it's about. The ultimate argument starter. Who is the best 13 ever? Be sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date on who's coming onto the podcast. We're all over Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Andy Raymond. Or you can check out the website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Before you go, do a mate a favour and when you're done here, leave a five-star rating and write a quick review for us on the podcast app you're listening on. In terms of business, it's huge for us and it allows us to keep creating the content you love for free. Make sure you come back soon. Legends 